Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. All right. Welcome to Revolution. As always, glad to see folks here. It's like we got a, some visitors from out of town. It's always nice. Welcome. Um, daylight savings time doesn't seem to affect us. Affected me. I'm tired. But, you know, what's one hour? Um, let's see. Let's see. Oh, <laughs> sorry. We have a cute baby that attends Revolution, so sometimes I like to see cute babies. My father-in-law's in town from Switzerland, so my my kids are all hyped. My son is hyped up on chocolate. This morning he was eating chocolate, so he likes it when Grandma and Grandpa from Switzerland come because they bring the good stuff. Um, today we're going to talk a little bit about something that I don't think we talk about in the church a whole lot, and that's unity, because in this current state of things, there's not a whole lot of unity with the way the government's run and people's opinions on pro or against or for, and the church seems to be divided and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of unity going on in the church. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Well, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm going to talk a little bit about it, but I'm going to also have Paul read what Paul has to say about it and see what we can find from there. Um, but before that, we're going to talk a little bit about salvation. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 is where I'm going to start. Let me get my notes out. Ephesians 2.8 It's for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For what for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared before us beforehand to be our way of life. Um the reason I like this, this verse is, uh, this verse changed my, one of the verses that changed my life forever, <laughs> is this idea of you're saved by grace, not by works, because I was raised believing it was about works. I was raised to believe that, that, uh, what I did or what I didn't do. 
I don't know if people in the Assemblies of God still struggle with that or not, but growing up in the Assemblies, that's how I felt. I felt like if I didn't perform a certain way or I didn't act a certain way, that God was going to either hit me with a lightning bolt or just continue to just kind of keep record. And it was nice to read something like that. You've been saved through faith, and that's not your own doing. It's a gift from God. And uh, seeing salvation as a gift has always been something that I find beautiful and allows my uh, my heart to remain at peace and that I have nothing to boast about. Because that's another thing. It seems like that's what people did. They boasted about what they didn't do or what they could do or what, you know what I mean? And it wasn't about boasting. And so that was always something that was beautiful to me. So I figured since I was in Ephesians 2, I would kind of read some of that. But it also says he's, that we are, has been made in us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to our way of life. But what are good works? And I think what I was raised to believe were good works are different than what, than what really the Bible is talking about picking up your cross and things like that seem to have just a different tone. Um, 11 says, So then remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision. A physical circumcision is made of the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at this time without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of the promise having no hope and without God in the world but now Christ Jesus you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ so the Gentiles um, because circumcision was a way uh, to show that if you were part of the sect a certain chosen chosen few, you know, we're the circumcision, circumcised, and we're in, you're not. Um, but then 14 says, for he is our peace, and his flesh has made us both groups into one. For he is peace, and his flesh, he has made us both groups into one, and he has broken down the dividing wall that is hostility between us. So right there, Paul was very big in, you know, Paul was reaching the Gentiles. Paul was very big into making it, making this clear that Gentiles were the same as Jews, that they didn't have to, you know, go back and get circumcised or see certain holidays or do certain things. They didn't have to become Jewish in order to become Christians, um, which a lot of people preached at that time but broke down the dividing wall that has the hostility between us. Now, just think about the dividing walls that we have now. And it makes me wonder if we believe in the supernatural at all. Because we have so many dividing walls, it's just it's like a given up. We've just given up and been like, well, they believe that, and I believe this, and that's just the way it is. And... You know, we're called to, I think, take stands for what we believe in. I believe we're called to be able to protest what we believe in. 
and speak up loudly what we believe in, but I'm just curious of where unity fits into that. Where does the, div- the dividing walls being broken down fit into our faith? You know, I mean, it's, it's obviously it was a big part of it as unity and faith, and it seems like so many believers are just completely divided. You know, not just by politics, but by denominations and by belief systems and things like that. So where do we find that? You know, how how do we... Because I feel like liberal Christians have a hard time with this just as much as conservative Christians. I don't think there's anybody has a corner on this. And I think we all suffer from this. And especially the two groups trying to find any type of unity or, or common ground. And I think common ground is somewhat important. It's like we can't even agree on Jesus. Which is to me sad because we throw out Jesus for our for our difference in, in Difference in opinions, difference in, what's the word I'm looking for? I'll think of it. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two thus making peace. No, I'm trying to read this in, in, in context, but also trying to read it as in if it was written to us today. You know, so he has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace. So this is a big deal if Jesus abolishes the law. And that's what Paul's saying. That's not my words. I have a lot of people argue with me, like, oh, Jesus, didn't, he fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish it. You know, what does fulfillment mean when you fulfill something, when you complete something? You know, what does that mean? So Paul here believes that he abolished it. So what does that mean? You know, so it's not there anymore. Uh, with its commandments and its ordinances. I mean, it's pretty clear that these have been torn down. You know, they're gone. That he might create in himself one new humanity in a place of two, thus making peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, I just added that part because that's somewhere else. But that's what we're called to do. And um, so in our disagreeing, in our protest, I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. seemed to really have it down pat in the idea that he said, these people aren't my enemies. The message is my enemy. You know, they're victims of misinformation. And even if we have to get to the point where we both think we're victims of misinformation, to sit down and share a meal... Or have a conversation. Is that okay? Like people ask me all the time, why don't I rebuke my dad? Or why don't I sit down and straighten out my dad? And I don't know anybody who can straighten out their parents, to be honest with you. Um, Or vice versa, when you get to a certain age. 
Um, you just have to learn to be. So for all those so curious about how I handle my situation with my dad, what I do is I send my dad pictures of my children. That's what I do. And I write usually a little text that says, Love you, Dad. Miss you. <laughs> That's my radical radicalness with my father is I love my dad. And I realize that I can't change him. We've had conversations about that. But they're definitely not conversations we have over the phone or texts anymore. You know, when we're in person, we'll sit down and we'll have theological discussions. But that's what I do. And I have to agree to, at that point, on a higher, to be on a higher plane. And it's tough. And a lot of people will think, well, you should just say this, 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 and that. And I don't have it in me. You know? I'm, I'm, I suffer from mental health issues. I deal with life and life's terms. And I seek peace because I want my dad to know his grandkids. You know? And and I'm not quite healed from the pain that, that was caused when I was younger through the scandals and through all the television stuff and through my dad being in prison and things like that, you know, because people love to, you know, sit down and say, hey, I'm going to make fun of your dad with you, you know, and it's kind of like, eh, I can make fun. (laughs) I can tell jokes. (laughs) So, I don't know. It's the complexity of being human. Um, I will say when when there's been issues of it, you know, where he's had people on his show about LGBTQ stuff and they've talked negatively, I have made phone calls and talked to him about that stuff and said, you know, this is dangerous and we can't treat our gay and lesbian, bisexual, transgender brothers and sisters this way. And uh, he's always been open to hearing what I have to say there. So there is that. But for the most part, it's sending pictures. Um, it seems like there's become such a we've become so alarmed with everything that's going on in the world today that we we don't make time for thinking about the ultimate goal being peace and unity you know why do we protest why do we take these stands you know because we want people to change. We want the situation to change. You know, it's not that we want the people to hurt people or make them go away. It's because we want to see them to see what we believe is the error of their ways. But we've got to do it out of love. It's got to be a practice that's a love practice. It's got to be a practice that has peace in the goal and unity in the goal. Um, I can just hear someone saying, but what about that verse that says they come to call peace, peace? <laughs> we can battle, you know, what scripture sometimes doesn't agree. That's just kind of how it goes. You know, there's letters written from different people to different people, different things. It's a collection of letters and books. It's not, it was never, these guys didn't realize that they were going to be in one book 
Paul didn't realize, like, oh, my Galatians letter and my Ephesians letter are going to be right next to each other, and here are my Romans letter <laughs> next to Gospels, you know. I mean, the Gospels, how many stories of the resurrection, they're, they're all different, you know. So, anyhow, I wish the Bible was easily perfect and I didn't have to do acrobatics to make it per- seem to work together. But Paul seemed to have an idea about wanting peace amongst Jews and Gentiles, and these folks had enough reason to argue and fight just as much as we do today. They did. You know, and so this idea of maybe a call to peace, a call to understanding, a call to maybe holding our tongues and learning how to have conversations is great. I mean, if we want it, what separates us? Not that we want to be separate, but what, why is it being a Christian and being a Christian? What does that look like? What is taking up my cross? What is dying to my flesh? Maybe it's being a peacemaker. It's seeking peace where there is no peace. And when it's not popular. I mean, another thing to mention against Martin Luther King Jr. again is when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, he wasn't very popular because he was working with people, he was working with the Poor People's Campaign, and that's not what everybody wanted him to do because they wanted him to be this civil rights leader over here and doing this and not doing that. Seventeen says, So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. I love that verse. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. He came to proclaim peace to everybody, those who were far off, the Gentiles, and those who were near, the Jews. And he's like both groups. I came to declare peace with you. This isn't the most popular stuff to preach, I know. Because it seems like, oh, it's just warm and fuzzy, and it just makes everybody happy. And I'm like, that's not what I'm doing. I'm doing it to interrupt people. I'm doing it to turn over tables, to say, yes, there has got to be peace. Yes, we've been called to peace as well. We are called to social justice, but our end game of social justice is to see people united and people taken care of, but also peace in the process. For though him, both of us, have access in, our, in one spirit to the Father, access to the one spirit, the Father, so then you who are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the house, household of God, build upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place of God, to whom you are also built together spiritually into a dwelling place of God. I don't hear that. I I don't read this in books right now. I don't hear this in places right now. I'm not trying to say like I'm cutting edge because I'm not cutting edge. 
all my friends are cutting edge, <laughs> but I can't understand half the time what they're saying because they're so cutting edge and they have so many questions. Um, so my question is, is, does this still exist? Does this still matter? You know, do these little things still matter? I think they do. Ephesians 4, 1 says, Therefore, the, the prisoner and the Lord... Therefore I, uh, therefore, I therefore, the prisoner and the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of, call, of your calling, which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, and with patience, bearing with one another in love. So I think there's the key right there, is calling, which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, patience, and love. There are the keys they're the tools that we're given to use. And, it, you know, I go to a thing called DBT, Dialectic Behavior Therapy, which is a type of therapy counseling that really has helped me out a lot. And um, the goal is to get healthy and to get better and to not feel panicky all the time, and to learn how to also deal and associate with other people. You know, a lot of it is personal, how you deal with interpersonal relationships. And that's what this is talking about. Humility and gentleness and patience and love. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's very hard. Sometimes it seems like you're throwing pearl to swine. But these are the tools, you know, these are part of the tools that I would even say I could find in something like DBT without, you know, these exact words. But being humble, being gentle, being patient, and being in love. It says, bearing with one another in love. goes on to say, three, make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, sorry, just as you were called to the one... Uh, I got to pick my Bible up because I got to get closer. Just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measures of Christ's gift. So, four says, I want to just reiterate. Two is that once again, with all humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing one another's love. And three, this says, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So the Spirit's a part of it, peace is a part of it, getting a little bit supernatural there. But this is part of it, it just is. And I see this. Um, Brian does this thing called the Sacred Collective 
And I see people in his group who are from all different backgrounds. Some are believers, some are non, some are atheists, some are, would you say evangelicals? You know? And I see a bearing one another in love. I see patience, I see humility, I see gentleness. And uh, just true, really bearing in love. I just see a lot of love. And love, you know how this says love covers a multitude of sins? Love also can cover a multitude of differences. And love can be a power that really just mows down those things. You know, but then you get into what is love. I like to stick with the Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. I think that's a pretty good concept of what love is. We won't go there right now, but I think it's a pretty good, if you want to look it up, it's pretty good stuff. I'm going to flip on over to Philippians. Huh? I'm a dad. So my dad jokes are on point. Philippians 2, 1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ and any consolation from, the, from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, full accord, into one mind. Now listen to this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Now, could you imagine if we actually did that? If we actually did consider others better than ourselves in, in, in a weird way? But that doesn't seem like what, the, what is set out right now. You know? We don't even want to give someone the benefit of the doubt if they believe differently politically than us. Someone's going to have to be the grown-up. Someone's going to have to be the one who goes, okay. And that might be just being patient and waiting for the right moment and being friends with someone and loving someone and never giving up, never losing faith, being hopeful, enduring through every circumstance. That's what Corinthians 13 is talking about. It says three things will remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And I do believe that love is a, a place for that. Now, do I believe that love doesn't argue? No, I believe that there is arguments. I believe that there is confrontation. I believe there is a time for making protest signs and taking stands and things like that. But what I'm trying to say is and I'm not doing away with those things because I think those things are important and beautiful. And I think there's times where we have to maybe get upset with one another. You know, we have to weigh out what the issue is, weigh out the problem, weigh out, you know, where we're at and how what, what that demands. Um but to bring it back, to remember that this is about love. It's not just the fighting for the, for the misfortunate, but it's also fighting for the lives of those who make others misfortunate. 
less fortunate. I want to see everybody redeemed. You know, so that when I'm saying I feel like I'm an inclusionist and I don't like the idea of hell, that means I want to see everybody redeemed. But I mean, I'd like to see everybody redeemed here. I'd like to see redemption happen here as, as well as the afterlife. But we don't, we're not going to do that unless we stand up for that, unless we argue for that, unless we fight for that. We're not going to get that unless we talk about that, unless the church radically changes. The conservative church and the liberal church radically change. goes on to say, let, us, let each of you look not into your own interests, but to the interests of the others. I mean, golly, that's really tough. You know, it's almost like the Bible is asking me to do stuff against my own human nature, believe it or not. Let each of us look not into our own interest, but the interests of others. Five says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Now, this is the kicker, and this is where we're going to end it, is 1 through 11. I'm going to just read it real quick, and then we'll go over it. But let the same mind be in you who was in Christ Jesus. Six uh, says, who though was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Because that was more humiliating than most death. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and the glory of God the Father. Um, I could take that verse in many different ways, but I want to look at that. Christ, who is, who is though was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself. We're called to empty ourselves, you know, Jesus didn't exploit it. Why do we? Man, the need to be right is tough. As I know it's more complicated. It seems more complicated than this, and it is more complicated, but these are some things that you can take into that complicated system that is the, the stigmas that we deal with every day and put some of these things in there. I don't think one sermon's going to change it all, but this is where I'm at right now. And this is where I hope we can be. This is where I hope things like revolution can do. You know? And and, and group like groups like the Sacred Collective can do and are doing, but can continue to expand and cause and encourage other people to do that as well. You know, 
maybe that's a way to grow is by reaching out to those who we may not see eye to eye with and saying, how can we love you? How can we put our interests and make aside and, and, and share your interests? And I'm not saying that means like that we just go to a pro-Trump rally or anything like that. <laughs> That's not the cra- I'm not saying anything crazy like that, so don't let your mind wander and go nuts. But I'm saying we learn to send pictures. We learn to send e- texts that say, I love you. I, I know you're pastor. as a pastor you're not supposed to use yourself as an example, but that's the only example I have right now, so I'm going to give it to you. I like they said, don't use yourself as an example, but I've always been like, ugh, what, who am I going to use? I'm trying to use these guys in here, but man, they don't have all the examples. So we're all one in grace. Live a life worth your calling. Be of one mind, if you can. Let's see if we can use these things. Uh, use our tools of peace, patience, and kindness, joyfulness, long suffering, the fruits of the spirit. I like that joy's in there because man, patience is a real pain. <laughs> but I like that joy's in there. So I'm gonna close with a real quick prayer and then a little we'll do offering Lord I thank you for your grace and your mercy Uh, I know that uh, it's weird to ask for things but in a way I just ask for the encouragement and the strength to love those who are different than us and to see what this thing of unity is really all about and how we love through that and uh, what it is to take up our cross and die to ourselves. Where do we draw the line? Where do we make differences? When is the time to talk and when is the time to listen? I ask that we have the grace to accept ourselves as we are. Amen. Um, If you're listening online and Revolution is your church and you'd like to give, you can go to revolutionchurch.com and click on the donation button. Or you can go to Facebook and click the donation button there. But as I always say, we'd much rather have you uh, than your money. Um. So please remember that. But we are a nonprofit, and that's how we survive and do what we do. So that's my spill. I want to thank you all for listening to Revolution Church, and uh, hopefully we'll be in your ears next week. Thanks.